Okay, we're finishing up our main we series. And, you know, isn't it, I know, isn't it sad? But uh, it's so human to, like, want others to change. And if you're like me, it never occurs to you that, oh, wow, maybe I can change too, right? Like, our relationships would be so much better. I'd be so much less frustrated and angry, and we'd be happier if the other person changed. But it's really, we need to start with us because we are the only, we can only control ourselves, right? We uh, we, we, we are the ones that need to change before we try to make other people change. And so today we're talking about broken hearts. Aren't you glad? No one was like, yay! Like, we, no one wants to talk about this. That's why we kept it for the end. Um, but you know, at Westlight, we don't sugarcoat things. Life is tough, love is even harder, and we are just gonna dig in deep. Aren't you guys glad you came today? And if this is your first time, I'm so sorry. It's not normally like this. <laughs> okay, so to start us off, I thought we would play a game called Name That Breakup Song. So you don't, don't do it now, but we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna like break up into smaller groups, and I'm gonna play, Dean will play 25 seconds of a, a popular breakup song. And in your group, you have to come up with the name of the song and with the artist of the song. And if you get one, you know, you, so each, each song, there's gonna be six songs, you get uh, an opportunity to win two points, okay? But if you just get the artist, that's fine. That's one point, okay? And so the team, we do have prizes. I only have three prizes, so hopefully only three teams will win. Um, but if there will be prizes, and so <clears throat> let's we're, get ready to play. Name that breakup song. Yeah! Okay, so get into groups. Okay, you guys ready? Yeah. All right, here's the first song, Dean. Oh, I did not believe that it would end, no. Everything came second to the best, oh. You're not even speaking to my friends, no. You know all my uncles and my aunts, oh. Write down the artist, write down the name of the song. It's very popular now. All right, next song. We're getting older and older. That was like, that was, I was trying to help you. I was trying to help you. It's going to make you, okay. Write it down. Who's the artist in the title? Okay, next song. Okay, very popular song back in the day, mended a lot of hearts. Okay, um, this one might be really hard. It's kind of, we're getting older and older. 
next song. Come on, you know these voices. You know this, all right? You know. Okay. Yeah, you know that group. We did. Okay. No, really. Like I skipped the '80s and the '70s. <laughs> no, this might be the '70s. This might be the '70s. Hit it. I can think of younger days <laughs> when living for my life. I know it's back in the day. I know. Was everything a man? Oh, look at these, these people know it. <laughs> They're going to break out. I tried to help the, the title of the song comes right after that one. Title and the group. Okay, the last song that I am going back like this is before any of y'all were born okay ready go i think this is the 50s I'll give you a hint, the title was in the song because I want to help y'all out. Okay, everybody? I, I'm just going to say them and tell me if you got it right. The first song was Better Now by Post Malone. Yay! Uh, the second song was Stronger by Kelly Clarkson. Okay, and Irreplaceable by Beyonce. Okay, who got this? End of the Road by Boys to Men. Yay! Okay. Um, okay. I know. Uh-oh. How Can You Mend a Broken Heart? Sung by the Bee Gees. <laughs> Yay, group over here. Last, Breaking Up is Hard to Do by Neil Sedaka. <laughs> okay, did anyone get six? I mean, 12. 12? 12, 11, 11, wow, did anyone get 10, wow, oh, we got two 10s, okay, raise your hand, 11s and 10s, good job, okay, thank you, I just kind of wanted to make this breaking up thing kind of fun in the beginning, uh, okay, but there are so many broken heart songs, right? There's so many. We could have gone forever. I had to cut some out. And if, if you guys have never experienced a broken heart and you're like, this message is not for me, I don't know. It's for you because you can help those of us who know the pain and the agony and the sadness and the shame and the guilt and the feelings of failure. And you could help walk us through that and help us through that path. But breaking up is a lot like losing a loved one. 
okay? And so the best thing to do for a broken heart, the one thing you can do for a broken heart, you're going to be excited about this, is to grieve. No one clapped. <laughs> and good grief, that's what we're going to talk about, is painful, right? But it's uh, so hard, like, it's so hard. But unresolved grief is even harder because unresolved grief keeps that pain that we kind of hold on to, and it affects, like, our other relationships. It affects our careers. It affects um, our faith and, and, and even our health. Right? So unresolved grief, it, it may seem like not as painful as grief, but it really, in the long run, it, it creates more pain for us, and it's harder. And so good grief is, is so important and is so necessary. And so good grief is really, um, a lot of what I'm sharing today is from, um, I'm in this program, this Townsend Leadership Program, and we shared, we learned one whole day on grief. I was like, oh, man, why did I come today? Kind of like how you guys are. Oh, why did I come today? <laughs> but John Townsend, he, he describes grief. He defines it this way, that grief is the process by which we let go of what we can't keep. It's the process of letting go what we can't keep. And the problem is, is that, you know, when we try and deal with this stuff, it doesn't come naturally. We weren't born like, oh, I know how to deal with grief. And a lot of the times we weren't taught how to deal with grief, Right? We didn't learn it so well from our parents and in our schools. And so what we learned, a lot of us, I think, is just like, forget it. Okay, yeah, he broke your heart. We'll just forget him and like move on. Find someone cuter and like makes more money. Uh, you know what I mean? Better. And like <laughs> that, <laughs> it's, it's good for a while. But that, you know, it's, it's not, it's the best thing to do is grieve. And so some of the skills that we learned, and John Townsend talked about this, is a um, very popular one, denial. And I'm going to say, hey, do you guys practice this skill? And you're going to be like, no. Because you know what? That's what denial is, right? <laughs> denial is pretending or even believing in your mind. Somehow you fool your mind that everything is good. You know, I'm good. You know, it is what it is, right? Or at least it's not as bad as, you know, Brad and Angelina. Like, they are a mess. Right? I'm not going through anything like that. It's not that bad, right? So we go to denial. That's one of the skills that we've learned that are not helpful. And then we go to willpower, right? So it's denial and then willpower. We're going to try harder. And so we, we're going to say to ourselves, you know, my next relationship with the guy who's going to be, like, better looking and he's going to be smarter and he's going to be cut, like, I'm going to, I'm going to, like, I am going to, like, communicate better. I am going to work harder. I am going to be disciplined, and I'm going to be like the best girlfriend ever, and we're just going to try harder, right? Oh, that works for a little while, but then, you know, like how many of us quit doing our New Year's resolutions? It's February 2nd. We probably stopped doing it. We probably stopped doing it. You don't even remember what your New Year's resolution was. Okay, so then we do denial, we go to willpower, and then we go to self-judgment. We're like, oh, we can't do it. Willpower didn't work. I'm um, coming in, you know, denial's not working anymore. And so we go into, we beat ourselves up, right? And we're like, oh, man, I'm never going to find anyone. I can't do relationships. No one's going to want me. I'm stupid. Why did I do that? Why did I let that guy go? What makes me think I can get a smarter, better-looking guy? Right? When we just beat ourselves up. And then when we get to that, right, because denial and um, willpower and self-judgment is so tiring and it's exhausting, right, right? 
we just go to despair and we're just like, forget it. I'm gonna be single for life. Like, I don't need men, I don't need women, I'm just gonna be me, and you know, and I'm just, for, forget it, I'm forever single. Yeah, who's with me, right? And so we go to despair, no one's with me. <laughs> you guys are not in despair yet, that's good. Oh, we have one person, okay. Because it's exhausting, and we just wanna give up, and despair sounds horrible. But it's really like the songs we're singing, that is the best place that we can be. It sounds like the worst, but it's really the best place we can be because that is where Jesus is waiting for us. When we don't know what to do and we feel like it's over and we want to give up, that he's there and he's waiting for us. And he's like, oh, I can tell you what we could do. And it's good grief. And so we're going to look at John 11. And Martha and Mary, you know, they were very close friends with Jesus. And, and they go to Jesus, and they're not going to him because, you know, they broke up with their spouses. They're going, with, they're, they're going to Jesus. They're, they're, they want to meet with Jesus because they've lost their brother. And like I said before, it's really any loss, whether it's the loss of a loved one because they've passed, whether it's a loss of relationship, whether it's a loss you experience in your career, or at school, any kind of loss, grieving is really the best way to get over what we can't keep. And so I know we're going to talk a lot about death, even though we're supposed to be talking a lot about losing a relationship and broken hearts, but stay with me, (laughs) because it's it's, it's, it's the same process. Okay, so in John 11, Martha and Mary, they're very close friends of Jesus, and they, they were heartbroken because their brother was really sick. He was like, he was, he was really sick. And so they send a messenger to go find Jesus, because Jesus is out there doing his ministry, and they're like, you know, it's risky for Jesus to come, because his life is in danger. The, people, the leaders want to kill him, but we know that Jesus would want to see Lazarus. And so they send a messenger out, and they, the messenger finds Jesus, but by then Lazarus has probably already passed away. And Jesus is like, okay, I'm going to go. He wants to go. So he goes to where Martha and Mary are. And, and when, he, when Martha hears that Jesus is there, right, Lazarus has already been, you know, he's been gone. He's been in the tomb for four days. Their friends and family have come around them, and they're grieving, and they're crying, and they're mourning with him. And so Jesus comes, and, and Martha hears that he, he's here. And so she runs out to him. She runs out to find him, and she said, Jesus, if you had been here, I know you could have healed Lazarus. She's like, I know you could have been, I know you could have done this. And then she kind of says, they go through this uh, conversation that I didn't want to get into. I'm just, I'm paraphrasing it. But what happens is, she says, I know you could have been here, but I believe in you. Basically, she's saying, I still believe in you. I know that God does mighty things through you. And then she's, you know, they talk and then she's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go get Mary, and that's where we're going to kind of cut in. In John 11, 32 through 35, she goes and gets Mary, and um, 32 says, Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews, all the friends and family that had come that followed her, when they were weeping, Jesus was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And then Jesus wept. You see, Martha and Mary's hearts, they were broken. 
And Martha, you know, in her grief, she tried to, her world was upside down, and she was trying to make sense of it. And, and so she was, like, trying to figure things out in her mind. Like, this got to be, she was trying to, like, yeah, just kind of create some kind of sense in the chaos. And she's like, okay, this, my world is turned upside down. I don't know what I'm going to do without my brother. This is, like, so hard. But, okay, I know that if Jesus were, he could, he could have healed him. And I know that even though he didn't, that he is still Jesus, and I still believe in who he is, and he's still, you know, the person that I trust in and have faith in. And then, you know, there's Mary. So, so Martha is kind of grieving and, and making sense of it in her head, and Martha is just making sense of it in her heart, right? She and the other, her friends and family that came to see Jesus, the, the Greek word used for the weeping that they were doing was, is called kaleo. Not like kaleo, but like kaleo. <laughs> And it was like just loud wailing and loud crying, which was common at that time. And they were just overwhelmed with grief. And Jesus saw, and you know, if you can imagine Jesus coming to, you know, standing there wanting to see Mary and Mary falling at his feet and just wailing and crying and, and just pouring out her heart to Jesus. And Jesus' compassion and his love for her weeps as well he joins her in the weeping and he starts crying and then i'm sure like he is, is part of his own grief too and then and kind of like coming into this like oh lazarus is gone and his heart begins to ache and his own grief comes and and he doesn't he allows it to come he allows himself to feel the sadness because when someone means something to us when someone means something to us and we lose that person, we feel sad. I love how Jesus didn't pretend everything was good. He didn't fight back the tears. You know, he, didn't, he wasn't like, okay, let's stop. Stop crying. I can fix this, right? He didn't beat himself up for getting to Lazarus late. You know, he wasn't like, oh, if I had just come earlier, right? And he didn't try to make things better and fix things. Raising Lazarus from the dead was really just a foreshadowing of his own death and resurrection. And maybe he was trying to prepare his friends and for his own death. But in Jesus' life and death and resurrection, we see Jesus, the one who chose, who sat in heaven and chose to come down to be with us and share in our pain and suffering with us up close and personal and then he entered and he chose to enter into his own like pain and suffering and died on the cross for us because he loved us and his resurrection is our hope that as we enter into this pain that we so try to avoid that as we enter in it and go through it that there's life and hope at the other end that there is something new and something good that we can look forward to. And it may not seem like it at the moment. Like when we're in it, it's so hard. But we can have faith and trust like Mary and Martha that there's something new, that there's good, that there's healing and restoration. Martha and Mary teach us that good grief, it doesn't look the same for everyone. That it's not a formula, that everyone has their own time and does it in their own way. 
that grief involves both the heart and the mind. I love how he didn't say, Martha, Martha, get out of your head and like, you got to start feeling it. Or it was like, Mary, stop crying. Like, let's rational, let's reason through this. He just, he met them where they were and he allowed them to grieve and he was just present with them. We grieve with our minds and our hearts, but then also we need to grieve together. Jesus teaches in Matthew 5, 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. He, he meets us where we're at, and he wants us to, to experience that comfort. The Apostle Paul teaches in his second letter to the church in Corinth, he said, blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those with which we ourselves are comforted by. We are, he want, you know, he's going to comfort us. And we are designed to comfort one another. Paul wrote in Romans 12, 15 to the church in Rome, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. God designed us to grieve with one another and in that grieving with one another to comfort one another. And he invites us to choose the toughest pain that we will ever have to experience. He invites us to be vulnerable with one another. And it's so hard, but to show our broken hearts with one another. Like, we don't even want to do that in the privacy of our own homes, right? Like, we just want to be like denial. It's okay. It's all good. But he invites us to go deeper, to think and reflect. John Townsend said that grief is the pain which cures all other pains. Like if we can, this is the most important pain that we could choose to enter into. And if we, it's the pain that really cures all other pains. Grief is God's way of, of letting go of loss and making space for the new, for the good, for healing, for joy. And so one of those three things that um, I learned in our training, that choosing good grief, it involves learning new skills. And the first one was um, allow the grief to come. So when we feel the sadness coming, for those of you who have experienced it, you know it just feels like a wave coming over you. So if you can imagine like body surfing, at Manhattan Beach, right? You're surfing and just the wave comes over you and maybe it crashes up against you and you're like, you get tossed with the waves and, and you're like, am I going to find my way up? Am I going to be able to breathe? It kind of feels like that. But it's so important for us to sit with it and experience it and not try to control it. As terrifying and overwhelming as it is, we, we need to allow that grief to wash over us and trust that we'll will come up for air. And just because we do that once, it doesn't mean that it's over. Like grief is a process and that happens over and over and over again. But when it does, don't try and fight it, just allow it to come. And it comes like at the most inopportune times, <laughs> right? And then in that, the new skill we need to learn is, is to say goodbye. Like it's a choice. And so we need to be intentional and take time to say goodbye. 
we learned that research shows that it really helps to write things down and to share it, to tell people, which explains why we have so many breakup songs, right? Because people are writing down and they're processing and they're thinking and then they, they share it, they sing it with us. And, and so in our, they're grieving and we can share in their grief together. So it's so important. So write down, you know, what that person meant to you. What were your hopes and dreams that you had for that relationship? And maybe what have you learned as a result of being in that relationship? Maybe what are the consequences of your loss? And then create ways to say goodbye. I was thinking, you know, like when someone passes away, we have funerals and, and we have eulogies. And I thought, wow, maybe, you know, it'd be cool, like, it'd be so helpful if we wrote a eulogy for the relationship that we lost. And it creates ways to say goodbye. And then finally, receive comfort. I know we don't want to burden our friends and be the downer, and we don't bring people down, and... We fear people aren't going to want to call, you know, talk to us or hang out with us. But I'm pretty sure that if the tables were turned and someone called you and said, hey, you know, I'm feeling kind of sad, can we meet up? That you guys would totally meet up with them. And this is where you can share your stories and share what that person meant to you and share the things that you've learned. Because when we share with safe people who don't judge us or criticize us or try to solve the problem or help make us feel better, when they are just present with us, then we feel so we feel seen and we feel heard and we feel valued. And that's where God comes and we feel his, his comfort in a very tangible way. And we know that we're not alone. That he's with us and we, and we feel his love and his compassion through the people that are with us. And I know it's so hard to be vulnerable. I know it's so hard to come out of denial. I live in denial every day. But it's how we were designed to, to grieve, and it's how we were designed to comfort one another. Comfort heals and restores so that we can be available for the new and the good and the life that God has for us. You know, last Sunday we were shocked to learn of the deaths of Kobe and Gianna Bryant and Alyssa and John and Carrie Altobelli and Peyton and Sarah Chester and Christina Mauser and Ara, Ara Silvion. We were devastated. And I can't imagine what those families are going through and what the friends are doing and just what their week is like and it must have just been a living hell. And as Laker fans and basketball fans, I, I know we lost one of, the, one of the greatest. Kobe was such a big part of LA for the past 24 years. But this week we witnessed a lot of really good grief. I loved how um, NBA players and fans um, allowed the grief to come, right? That when they were playing the games and, and they waited the 24 seconds out, that, that, and you know, like these big, strong, macho players were like crying and they had to wipe the tears from their face and then, you know, and kind of muster up. You know, they weren't like trying to shut it down or like, I gotta play a game, you know, they just really allowed it to come. 
I loved how um, they honored their tears. And when they honored their tears, they honored what Kobe meant to them, and they honored themselves. I love how fans and players honored Kobe when they um, posted their feelings and said their goodbyes on social media. And when they wore his jersey, or when they light candles or buy flowers, and all the tributes that they have. Like they're really allowing themselves to say goodbye and share what, what, what he meant to them. And I love how fans gathered together at the Staples Center and received comfort from one another. That they weren't allowed, they weren't afraid to like, just go there and just be with one another. They didn't have to say anything, but they were just with one another. And how they shared stories with one another and how just being together like validated their feelings, validated what he meant to them. Being with one another and receiving their comfort is, is so important to how we grieve. We'll never forget Kobe. And letting go of what we cannot keep, it doesn't mean that we'll forget the person that meant so much to us. But letting go allows the pain to no longer consume us or keep us stuck. It allows us to love and appreciate the person and the relationship. And so this week, I want to encourage you to reflect on these three questions. What skills have you learned that may not have been the best for you? Maybe it's denial. Maybe it's beating yourself up. Maybe it's willpower. And then what significant relationship have you lost? Maybe it is, um, you know, a a boyfriend or a girlfriend, but maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a brother or a sister or your child. Any hope or relationship that isn't going the way that you had hoped it would and and you want to hang on but you can't. And what does that person or what did that person mean to you? And then third, which skill maybe allowing the grief to come or saying goodbye or receiving comfort, which is the most challenging to you and why? Maybe that'll help us enter into the, the grieving process. Just as Martha and Mary and Lazarus meant so much to Jesus, we mean a lot to him too. He's moved by our broken heart. And he's waiting for us and weeps with us. He sees us and he's with us in our pain. And he invites us to choose good grief because he wants what's best for us. And that's where we're going to find comfort. He's waiting for us. Let's pray. Gracious God, you wait for us to come to you and you delight in us when we do.
So I pray that you would give us the love and grace that we need to choose to do the hard thing, to choose the pain that is worse than any other pain we can imagine. Help us to trust in your ways and believe that good grief really does lead to comfort. It does lead to healing and restoration and to something new and something good. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.